Welcome back to the Goodlesville, Gallatin, and online Gospel Compass Ministry for another episode of The Journey Through Scripture. Join us as we talk current events, read through the Word, and seek to apply it every Wednesday in this new midweek Bible study, The Journey Through Scripture, a Gospel Compass production. Welcome to Journey Through Scripture. We are in December. We are almost at Christmas. And uh, I'm Pastor Tim. I'm the pastor of the Goodlesville and Gallatin Church. Today I'm flying solo. Daniel is uh, just making sure that he wasn't exposed to anybody that had COVID and protecting all of us. And we're just praying and trusting that he and his family are okay. And we're just, uh, we're pretty sure they are. We're just making some extra precautions. Today we want to review what we talked about this past Sunday. As a matter of fact, this past Sunday's message seemed to hit on a lot of nerves. Uh, A lot of people commented about what they thought about this message. This is not what you would ever call a uh, sugar stick passage. It's not, it's not a deep theo- theological passage. It's not one that, that, that calls for passion or anything like that. But however, it's one that just seemed to hit on a lot of nerves. Why? Because most of us show partiality. And James in James chapter 2 makes it very clear that the Christian should not ever show partiality. That's a real hard thing to do. And we talked about some examples. Maybe you can think of some examples of showing partiality. I can always see this when it comes to our own children. We stand up for our own children. The question is, do we stand up for other children? We stand up for our own rights. Do we stand up for others? We root for our own team, and we want to make sure that the refs call it right for our team. But do we make sure that the refs call it right for the other team as well? And so throughout our lives, there is a tendency to show partiality and favoritism to those that might help us in the direction we want to go. And too oftentimes we step on those that uh, don't seem to be any benefit to us. And so we want to talk about that sin of partiality. And I want to really start today with a passage that really is one of the most significant passages in all of Scripture. This passage is found in the book of Ezekiel. And here there is a prophecy concerning what God is going to do when he saves his people. When he saves his people, not only does he save us to go to heaven, but he changes us. Salvation isn't just about your destination. Salvation determines what you're like. And so here we see in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25 through 27, a significant verse that I want you to just marinate in for a few moments. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. This is an incredibly important passage. I believe James has this passage in mind as he is giving his letter to the church. You see here what God promised that he would do in saving us would be to take out our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh to also give us his spirit. But the reason is found in that last verse. I want you to get this. It says, you will follow, it will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. It will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Friends, there is a scary thing when it comes to being a pastor of a church, and that is knowing that there will be a judgment day and that Many will come and say, Lord, Lord, and he will say some to some of them, depart from me. 
I never knew you. There's a time where the wheat and the tares all look the same, but at the harvest time, they'll be separated. It's a scary thing to know there are people in our churches who are not followers of Jesus Christ. And throughout the scriptures, we have diagnostics to make sure that we have true faith. I believe that's what James is talking about. As a matter of fact, this coming week's message is about what real faith is. But as one of these diagnostics, he gives us this idea that we are to keep the royal law, that is to love our neighbors as ourselves. And as we're thinking about this royal law, when we're thinking about this this reflection of God's heart that we are to have, as we're thinking about these, these treat do unto others as you would have them do unto you, when you think about these things, these are the laws and decrees of God, and we know that we're followers of God and that our spirits have been filled with his spirit, that our hearts of stone have been taken out, we've been given a heart of flesh, we know that because the desire to keep his law shows up. And so James is saying to the church, do you have a desire to keep the, quote, royal law? And the royal law is love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so we want to just get into this passage today in James. And we called this message Christian Clicks and Politics because too often we find that happening in the church. James certainly didn't want that to happen and neither should we. And so let's just go ahead and read this passage, and we want, to, uh, we want to just take a pause and to look at what he is saying to us. Let his words be our words. Here we go, James chapter 1, and James chapter 2, I should say, verse 1 through 13. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to a poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones dragging you into court? Are they not the ones blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law, as we mentioned earlier, found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Now, pay attention. This is when it gets interesting again. This is where James is saying basically what Ezekiel is saying. If you still have a heart of stone, you're still going to act like you have that heart of stone. If you don't fill with the Spirit of God, you're still going to work out of your own spirit. And so here is the diagnostic that he gives. He goes on and says again, If you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as a lawbreaker. Verse 10, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, You shall not commit adultery, also said, You shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And so we see here that that James is saying, if you have been changed, it should show up in the fact that you are not showing partiality. But if you are 
If you, if you feel like you've got it all together, if you feel like you're not a sinner, if you feel like you're a righteous person and yet you are showing partiality, you're just as guilty of disobeying the law. You're just as guilty in sin as the murderer is. And that's exactly what James is saying. And so if that's still showing up in your life, partiality, then you need to make a change. Now let's talk about that change. First of all, we need to understand that we can never overcome these sinful temptations in our own flesh. The only thing that we can do is depraved. We're depraved in everything we think of and do before we come to faith in Christ. Even our good works, the Bible says, is like filthy rags. So there's there's unhealthy motivations, there's wrong reasons, and so even our good things are not good. But there is a change that happens, as Ezekiel said, when we come to faith in Christ. God takes out our heart of stone, gives us our heart of flesh. He fills us with his spirit that we would desire to keep his law. And so I want you to see what happens first. The only way that we can ever obey the law of God, the only way that we are ever going to be righteous is when he makes us righteous through salvation. When we ask him to forgive us of our sins, we trust in faith that he has, a supernatural work happens. Do you see what he said in Ezekiel? I will sprinkle you with water and you shall be cleansed. In other words, our sins are washed away through salvation. So when we ask Jesus to forgive us, we trust in him that he has, there is a change that happens supernaturally in our lives. And that change is reflected, now let's get this, is reflected in the fact that we now have a desire to do the right thing. Now this is important. This is an incredible way of knowing whether or not you indeed are saved. Do you have the desire to do what God wants you to do? You know, Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am, I do the things that I hate. So he's, he knows that he's still not overcome sin in his life. But the, here is the wonderful thing about it, though. He hates those things that he's doing that are sin. And so those who have come to faith in Christ, who's had a heart change, who's been filled with the Holy Spirit, should hate sin. And one of the sins that we should hate in our own lives is the sin of partiality. Now, don't miss that. James wants us to be very clear. If you think that you're all right and you still show partiality, that's a sin. And you need to address it. You need to deal with it. So again, the only way we can ever change begins with salvation, but it doesn't end at salvation. If all of a sudden we were just changed, if all of a sudden our hearts were just made right, then we wouldn't have half the scriptures because the New Testament is talking about how we live that out. In light of the change, make sure that you are working in this direction. And so James is assuming then that you and I have had a heart change. He's assuming that we've come to faith in Christ and that we have a desire to serve him. And so what he's making clear is if you don't have that desire, if you don't hate the partiality in your life, you better go back and look at your own salvation. Are you indeed saved? But he's also saying to those who have been saved, now that you have been saved, when you still see this sin showing up, you need to hate it and you need to change it. I hope that's where it finds most of us today, where we are Christians, we have a desire to serve the Lord, and now we have that aha moment, that I could have had a V8 moment, where we find that James is pointing out something that still shows up in the life of a believer because we are not arrived yet. We are every day trying to improve, trying to grow, trying to get better, and as Ezekiel says, desiring more and more to obey the laws of God, to follow the heart of God. And so again, He shows that one of these places where that shows up is partiality. And so let me ask you, are you 
partial? Do you show favoritism? Do you have do you have a tendency to stand up for yourself or for your group? Boy, we see a lot of that in the world today. We recently finished a series talking about postmodernism and and how we get into small little groups and how we protect our group and we defend our group. And we talk about things like Black Lives Matter or Blue Lives Matter. We need to recognize that in in the sin of partiality, we're going to stand up for whatever one that is. But when we show impartiality, we should say, yes, those lives matter as do all lives matter. That we stand up for others as much as we stand up for ourselves. That, again, is the royal law to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And so why are some of these reasons that we need to avoid the sin of partiality? Now, we talked about these Sunday, but let's just rewind and go through these real quick. First of all, he says that we are followers of a glorious Lord. We should reflect the glorious Lord, and God doesn't show favoritism. Now, just pause right there. Aren't you glad today that the Lord loved you while you were still a sinner, while you were still a wretch or still a worm, as some of the songs say? God loved you. He chose you when you had nothing to honor. He did not show any favoritism or partiality, and he still doesn't. He loves that person who is destitute on the streets of India as much as he loves the rich person in downtown Nashville. You and I need to understand that the glorious God, the glorious Lord Jesus Christ, is to be reflected in our lives. And when we show partiality, we are tarnishing his glory. We talked about the story of Gandhi, how he went to a church and they told him to be seated somewhere else and he should be worshiping with his own people because his skin color was different, his, his vocabulary language, his, his inflection was different. And how he, because, because that person tarnished the image of Christ, he turned away from Christ when he was ready to receive Christ. I, I, I just believe this is a very big problem. It's certainly a problem in my life at times, it's a problem in your life, that we tarnish the reputation of Christ and thus keep other people from wanting to come to know him. Are you tarnishing the image of Christ by the partiality that you're showing? Secondly, we see that he says in verse 4 that when we show partiality, we're becoming evil judges. That means we're looking at somebody and showing them favoritism that our judgment according to how we treat people is being skewed. There's nothing that God hated more in the Old Testament than people who were evil judges, who did not judge fairly, who, who, who didn't look at the poor and give them a righteous judgment, who, who gave favoritism to the rich or to their brothers and not their neighbors. And so we see here that when we show partiality, we're like those evil judges of the Old Testament. And remember that God hates that. We're to live justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with God, according to Micah 6 Live justly means to treat everybody, everybody, without partiality, to treat them fairly. Also in verse 5, we see he says, How can you look down upon those whom God has elevated? And so we see here at Christmas time that Jesus came to the poor, he came to the downtrodden, he came to the outcast, he came to the lowest in society, and he elevated them. And so we see that still happening today. God loves poor people. He doesn't just love poor people. Some people would say they create a whole theology about God's love for poor people. He loves all people. He loves, and, and in his love for poor people, he's elevated them up to where Paul says there's not Jew nor Greek, there's not slave nor free, there's not man or woman, there's not rich or poor, that we're all equal in the eyes of God. 
And so we see that we can't look down on those whom God has elevated. We need to see them through the eyes of Christ. Otherwise, we're sinning. We also see in verse 6 through 7 that we tend to honor those who look down upon us or to, uh, who oppress us in order to keep themselves elevated. We tend to look up to people who are above us, not realizing that they are trying to stay above us by keeping us down. And so in James's day, it was people, rich people, who were taking these poor Christians to court. It was these rich people who would blaspheme the name of Christ. Today, how many people do you look up to, do you honor, who could care less about you? People that you admire, that you suck up to, and yet they're not going to do anything for you. The only reason that you look up to them, by the way, is because you think somehow they can help elevate you. That's not how it works. We're elevated through Christ, and we need to see that these people that sometimes we honor are no friends of ours and no friends of Christ. And then we also see that we, as we mentioned earlier, must keep the royal law. That is to love our neighbors as ourselves. When you keep the royal law, you are doing good, James says. And so when we love our neighbors as we love ourselves, that means we love the other family who's got a child on our baseball team. That means we stand up for those who are oppressed. It means we love those who are around us. Our neighbor, Jesus said, is anybody that you come in contact with. Who is your neighbor? It's the person that, that you come in contact with as you're walking down the road. And so these are the, these are the people, which means everybody, we should love the same way we love ourselves. We should not show favoritism. And finally, he says that when we break this law, we'll be judged by it. If we treat people without mercy, then we'll be treated without mercy. And so here again is that diagnostic. If we're not showing mercy, because, it may be because we haven't received mercy. And so I ask you a question today. Have you really been saved? Do you really have a heart to do what God wants you to do? Or are you still struggling in the sin of partiality? As a matter of fact, maybe you're not even struggling. Maybe you just embrace it. Maybe you just hold on to it. And that's the truest sign that you're not saved because you have no desire to change that. Again, if you have the desire, that's a sign that your heart has been changed and you need to work on overcoming it. And so if you have the desire to overcome it, you can just start practicing it. Start putting others above yourself. When you have a tendency to look down at that person on the street corner or look down at that person who works under you at your place of employment, start to elevate them the way Christ would. Understand that they are just important to Christ as the rich people, as your boss, and make sure that you treat them that way. It takes a conscious decision, a conscious effort to change how we think, but it's possible. Again, when we have God's Holy Spirit, we can begin to see him empower us to make these changes, but it, makes, it requires a conscious decision. I believe that's why James gave us this passage today. When you see it happening around you in your church, when you see it happening in your own life, when you see it happening in your home, correct your children. Allow them to correct you and help make sure that you are overcoming, that I'm overcoming, and that as a church, we're overcoming this sin of partiality. Thank you for joining me today. I hope that God will help us all to overcome this. We pray that our church would reflect our community, that your circles would reflect people that have your education and people that don't have your education, that people that have the same kind of financial resources and people that don't, that we would see one another as Christ sees his church all the same, all on the same page. And the church ought to reflect the beauty of the kingdom of God, where there is no Jew nor Greek, no rich nor poor, no man nor woman, 
no slave nor free. And I pray that that would be the case in your life and in the life of our church. God bless you. Merry Christmas.